Hey there, Criminalics. It is your host, Kinsey, and I am back this week with a brand new episode of Missing Mondays. Missing Mondays was a segment that was created by Holly and I because at any given time, 90,000 people are missing in the U.S. While some are found alive or deceased, the majority are still missing today. And it is our goal on Crimeaholics to keep missing persons' name and information in the media to aid in their return home the best that we can. On this episode of Missing Mondays, I will be covering the disappearance of Jason Landry. Jason Landry, a Caucasian male who was born on July 29, 1999. He has been missing since December 14, 2020 from Lulling, Texas. At the time of Jason's disappearance, he is 21 years old. He stands at 6 feet 1 inches tall. He has brown hair, brown eyes, and weighs approximately 170 pounds. On this episode, I had the opportunity to be able to sit down and speak with Jason's father, Kent. Although I was able to gather a good bit of information about Jason's disappearance from news articles, we always like to be able to reach out to the family to be able to get the best accurate information possible. It was an absolute heartbreaking but humbling experience being able to sit down with Kent to get to learn about Jason and hear stories about who he was. In our episodes where we do interview families, you will often hear commentary from both Holly and I. However, I wanted to do this episode a little differently. So during this episode, you will not be hearing from me. You will be hearing just from Kent himself. I wanted to go ahead and just have Kent speaking during this episode because it is very moving listening to Kent talk about his son, Jason. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's always so funny um, that your children can grow up in the same house, mm. eat the same food, have the same parents, be raised in relatively the same manner within, you know, years of each other, and turn out to be so absolutely unique. Uh, and then yet sometimes you see yourself in your child. Uh, good times and bad, you know, um, and that's just one of the things I think in reflecting over this. It, it really is uh, amazing to to kind of know your child and see them grow up to be an absolutely unique person, um, and yet on some t- some level they have attributes of both you and your mother and their mother. Um, so Kyle's, uh, we have three kids, Jessica, Kyle, and Jason. Jason's our baby. Um, Jessica's, well, let's see, she's 27. Um, Kyle's 23 and Jason's 22. Um, both, uh, all the, the other two, we went to Texas, well, I went to Baylor and then Texas A&M. Uh, and they both, both, both the older ones went to A&M. Um, Jessica's in Chicago, um, graduated, married. Uh, Kyle is just graduated and going into the Air Force, uh, going to be getting married. Um, And they were both um, very organized, diligent type A types, both uh, my wife's a CPA, I was a lawyer. So we're both kind of anal retentive type A driven people. You kind of have to be. 
Um, but Jason is our free spirit. He's the one who's still figuring out life, you know, and, and I joke, I mean, I'm 55 years old and I still don't know what I want to do with my life. I still don't know what God has in store for me. Uh, certainly not this is what I never expected, but, um, you know, he certainly is the one that, that is absolutely, um, happy, um, just experiencing life as it comes and still trying to sort it out. Uh, he's definitely, I'm, I'm ADD and he's definitely ADD like me. If any of us have any of those, and it's kind of like when, when someone who has dealt with that in their life, they go, oh yeah, I know. And, and, and the reason that helps people to understand is because someone who has never dealt with that has a hard time understanding, well, well, how could you decide in the middle of the night to, it's time to go home? Um, well, that's, that's relatively normative. You know, it's like whenever the, the mood strikes you, that's when you do what you do. Um, you know, and that's why people who ask, you know, well, could Jason have ran away? No, because he never planned anything. He, he would never uh, plan one of these alternate lifestyle type of things and, and leave everything behind. That's, that's not Jason. Um, so, you know, for him, uh, after school, he graduated, uh, went to college, uh, had, a, had a great time, uh, really enjoyed college, uh, really enjoyed having a girlfriend, and didn't go to class that much. That's not that unusual for any of us in the first time we experience freedom at 18. Um, and so he came back home, worked hard, got his grades up, kind of refocused and rethought, you know, you know, that's the thing as a dad, you, you, you give a lot of free lectures, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What interests you? What, what, you know, and all those types of things. And he's our, uh, he's, an, he's our musician like his mother. Um, but so for him, he really did take that year. And, he, and I'm incredibly proud of him because that's a hard thing to do to go, you know, to go home after getting yourself punched in the nose and to refocus and work hard and get his grades up. And he got into Texas state and his plan was to go into the um, sound recording and engineering program, which is one of the best in the country who knew. Um, and he did a lot of research and that's what he decided he wanted to do. And so he, he worked hard, got into it. And then when he got to school, COVID hit and just changed everything, you know, it was bad enough uh, at the beginning, but for, I think for him, you know, basically he's stuck in an apartment in a town. He doesn't know anyone, uh, with roommates whom he doesn't know. He did potluck on his roommates and they were older and they were in a frat. So they, you know, they just had a very different, you know, they were in a different place than him. Um, and, uh, I think that that was really hard on him because you're really isolated sitting in this room and, uh, at least for Texas state. He didn't go to class. They wouldn't even allow you on campus. He never had an opportunity to make friends or to kind of just, just on the most basic level, experience college as it should be fun, um, going to football games, going out to parties, going to class, you know, dreaming about life uh, and experiencing all it has. And, and then to have college be such a 
disappointment's not even the right word. Just, you know, it's a travesty when you think about everything that's been done to everyone in that age range. It's just terrible. But anyway, uh, so he came home, I think, twice over the semester, once beginning of semester and once for, and then during Thanksgiving. And I think that's one of the aspects is to get from San Marcos to Houston, you go through Luling. And I'm sure you've seen the maps and the draw, you know, the the turn and all that, but you come into town and as I understand it, that's not the best part of town, especially around midnight. Um, and he should have taken a right. And I, I, I don't know. I, what I can say is I feel confident and certain he went directly from San Marcos because, you know, we pinged his, his little ways as pinging along. He had home in his phone uh, until he got in right at right before that turn uh, friend, uh, I guess, Instagram Graham or Snapchat. I forget which one it is, um, which then turns ways off and it never went back on. Um, I don't know what happened. I can I can say with with almost certain confidence he was sitting there at that intersection where you would turn right at about 1130, maybe 1131, 1132. And his car was found a couple of miles outside of town at around 1230. What happened in that hour? I don't know. You know, there's all kinds of stories. There's, you know, did since it's a bad part of town, did someone try to carjack him? Did they lure him up to some house? Um, or did something else happen where, you know, he was shot or something like that? I, I don't know. Um, you know, some people believe that some, some don't, some think you just, you know, missed the turn. And if you missed that turn and you kept going, you would end up on that dirt road. Um, it could be, um, and, um, you know, we got a call at about two in the morning, uh, from highway patrol saying his car is wrecked. And they haven't found him. And um, after waiting a little bit and talking with the highway patrolman, I, you know, uh, told you know my mom, his mom, and I said, okay, you know, I told her, you stay here in case he calls or he got a ride or something. You stay here to coordinate that, and I'm going to go look. So I drove to Luling, got there. Uh, a little bit before five in the morning, uh, we knew where his car we have, we have on a cell phone, you know, the find my friends, the locator thing. And it was on and we could see his car um, at the impound yard. And so I knew his phone was in his car because it was sitting in the impound lot, which of course makes you incredibly worried. And I mean, that's, I still, you know, that drive just, you know, it's, it's the nightmare of every parent. Uh, any of us who have a child, say, over the age of 16, once they get those car keys and they go out with friends um, and they're late for curfew and you hear a car siren when they're out with friends, you just have all those visions and nightmares. Well, we actually are living it. So I get there, um, look for, I, I find a guy at the tow lot. He's not the guy who... Um, uh, towed his car, but he, he knew the guy who did, and he said it was out in this direction, this road, and I went just driving down that road. My wife was watching me on my, on her phone, my tracker. She's like, I don't think that's where the officer 
said it was. So I said, well, why don't you call him and get the exact location? And I'll go there. And she called him and woke him up because he had gone home. Um, and he told her where the location is. And I went and driving down this dirt road. Um, it's freezing cold. It's um, you're in Tennessee. So it's it's I don't know how far in the mountains you are, but it's colder in Tennessee than it is in Texas. Uh, there's probably only a couple of days out of the year in central Texas that you would actually, you could die from hypothermia. Unfortunately, this was one of those nights. Um, but it's pitch dark. It's, it's country. There's nothing out there but some oil wells and cows. And even in the, just a couple of miles I was going down this road, I think I had to stop for deer three times, even a coyote. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, wild feral hogs out there too. Um, so I was driving slow looking, you know, and I, I mean, I was expecting to see Jason walking down the side of the road. So I, I was looking for Jason going slow, uh, with my lights on yelling and honking the horn and stuff like that. Never did obviously see him. Uh, but as I'm driving to what is close to the uh, driving up on the accident, I, I can, I, I see something lying and you know something in the road and i stop and i realize that it's jason's clothes i know it's clothes and it's and i stop and it's his shorts underwear t-shirt socks and i know it's jason's socks because he wears crazy socks and there were spongebob socks I, I know those socks and slides and his watch and and then i, I thought at the time that Maybe they were in his backpack or, you know, like the kids, they just put all their clothes in a basket or something. Maybe he was carrying those and was and just dumped it because it was heavy or, or fell out or whatever. It never occurred to me to think that that was probably the clothes he was wearing. But I put it in the car and then I found found uh, where the accident occurred. They had already towed off the car, obviously. Uh, and I drove around looking for him until they opened the tow lot, which is at about seven in the morning. And uh, I went and was able to get in his car and found the phone. And it had slid, and slid down in that really annoying place between your center console and your, your driver's side seat. We've all, at least I've lost my phone there. Um, and it was down by, by the seat rail. I actually had to go from behind the front seat to, to reach it. So I don't know if it just slid there and he was driving along knowing he was lost, but knew he, as soon as he got a hold of his phone, he could then turn ways on and get back home. That would he be stubborn enough to do that? Oh yeah. We're stubborn in my family. Have I done that? Oh yeah. I've done that before too. You know, driving with one hand and digging with the other. I think we've all done that. And could he have easily run off the road? Yes. Could something else have happened? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Could a deer have run in front of Heck yeah, because I saw some that very night uh, on that same road. Uh, I, I just simply don't know. Um, the young man who found his car, you know, the back window was broken out. Uh, I'm thinking almost certainly that was because the branches, because branches were actually broken inside the car. And you could see based because it basically did a 360 and went butt first down the ditch and hit the trees and the trees would have broken out the window, and then it slid into the, the fence. It came to rest against a fence. You know, was he driving? Was it staged? 
I, I honestly, I don't know the answers to those questions. You know, it could be something as simple as he was driving, digging for his phone and just, you know, hit the, sh- hit the curve of the dirt road, overcorrected, spun and came to rest there. Um, one of the reactions of hypothermia, as I understand it, is you have this because all your all your because it's so cold, all your blood goes to your core. And if he was knocked unconscious, which he could have been, or at least a concussion and came to, he could have already been hypothermic already um, and got out of the car, you know, and, and started walking back. And then you have this reaction where you feel superheated and you take off all your clothes, even though you're freezing to death, you, that's what you do. And then, of course, if your brain's all messed up, if you've ever had a concussion, you know, you do crazy things. Um and he could have just simply wandered into the field looking for help and fallen asleep and woken up in heaven. It could be as simple as that. It could be, you know, one of the other rumors is he was walking down the road uh, back into town and a car or truck hit him and killed him. And they disposed of his body because they didn't want to get in trouble for hitting someone because they were DUI. You know, there's all kinds of theories, as many you've been on probably well, you've, you're in this area, so you know better than me what floats around on Reddit and everything else and Facebook pages and, and theories and stuff like that. And, um, you know, his dad, um, I don't know if I really care all that much. I just want my son back, you know. Do I want to know what happened? Certainly. But that's not nearly as important as, as finding Jason. And here we are. Today is day 288. I wouldn't have thought it would have been 288 hours before we got Jason back. Uh, cer- certainly not more than a day or so. And there's been six major searches and, um, you know, all kinds of resources. And here we are. When they've done these searches, are you okay with going into like a little bit of detail about those? Like if they have ever recovered like anything or if there was any type of like footprints in the area or anything that indicated that Jason was in the area where his car was? Yeah, they, they, well, they had, and they've had all kinds of uh, dog teams and, and here in Texas, we have a large prison system. Um, They had everything from tracking dog. There are different kinds. Well, I'm sure as you know, and I'm sure most of your audience knows, dogs are trained differently depending on what they're supposed to be doing. There are some that are actually trail dogs, like bloodhounds, like immediately. They had some of those out there. They had, we had cadaver dogs. I mean, we've had, sometimes it feels like I've had every dog team in Texas searching. One of the uh, unusual things they've come to discover, because the dogs have hit frequently on small bodies of water and ponds. Uh, This is for those of you who don't know, so this is cow country, okay? And cows have what we call them tanks, you know, just small reservoirs, you know, they dig out a pit and it's probably not the much, sometimes it's not much bigger than the size of uh, a, a good sized bedroom, might be the size of a house uh, where, the, where the cattle can water themselves. Um, those are scattered throughout. This is also an oil production field. So there's small, there's pits and stuff like that from oil wells and all those kinds of things scattered around the area. But one of the things they do when they're training dogs, uh, cadaver dogs, the smell of a decomposing body 
they use a chemical that we've come to find actually if you interact that chemical with water uh, it's a petroleum chemical like pr production from this area they have that chemical and it interacts with water and makes the dog think this body of water has a body in it it doesn't it just has that petroleum chemical in it and it's activated by water because they've dug multiple bodies of water multiple times even the same body of water because they've had water in it, the dog goes, there's a body in there. Okay, they, they, they scan it with side sand sonar and all the different things and they don't see anything, but there's mud on there. So they say, well, we gotta, we gotta drain the whole thing. They drain the whole pond and dig it out and there's nothing there. There's not a body there. And then they fill it back with water and the dogs come back and, and they, they send the dogs out into the mud. The dogs say, there's nothing here. Oops, and they fill it up with water again. They start looking all around again. The dogs go back to the same pond and say, there's a body in there. And we've done this multiple times, multiple bodies of water. Clearly, there's an issue going on in terms of what they're trained to smell. They keep hitting on that same thing. Is Jason in some body of water? Is it possible? Yeah, there's a creek running through this area, Plum Creek. Um, but... Um, you know, that's been one of the issues they've come to discover that the dogs may be hitting with false positives, but they've had dogs out there, drones, helicopters, planes, thousands of images, six different major search teams. Uh, and I'd love to have more. I mean, you know, I wish the FBI would get involved in Jason's case. We've asked them to get involved in Jason's case, and they said they wouldn't because they don't know if there's a crime. Because getting missing, being missing for 300 days isn't a crime. I agree. It's not a crime. But something happened. Uh, whether it was a third party involved or not, I, I don't know that. Is it possible? Yes. I know they've been searching this piece of property, you know, and miles around. And they've searched over and over and over. And we can't find him. So could someone have done something, but we can't get them to do a geofence. We can't get them to do a tower dump. We can't get them to get involved. I don't know. Maybe I've got the wrong initial behind my name or I don't, I'm not well connected or I'm just some stupid pastor in Houston area wants my son home. Um, I don't know um, what causes them to, you know, cover one missing person. And I'm just one, one parent. There are thousands of missing people, and I'm pretty sure all of those parents would love that same level of resources for to find our children. Why are our children not important? I don't know. On Jason's case, we can't even get the FBI to, to run what is a geofence warrant, which requires computer time with Google. Well, I mean, because it's the middle of nowhere. If you drew a box around his accident and gave an hour, that hour time frame, who was around that, car, you know, that space between 1130 and 1230 in the, it's, it's country, country, there wouldn't probably be, I doubt there's less than 10 cell phones in that box it would be so easy to fix. I mean, we would probably, I mean, according to some of the investigators, I think they said something like they felt like the case could be solved within a week. Um, with just computer time by someone in wherever 
tapping a bunch of keys and doing that. It's just, it, it, it boggles the mind and breaks the heart. And it's not just because it's, it's our son's story, but have a fair allocation of resources amongst the many. I mean, literally, probably three years, um, you know, and here we are 288 days and I can't, it, it's beyond comprehension that uh, this is in central. I mean, this is within hours. This is, I mean, Luling sits between Houston and San Antonio and it, and Austin. It's in the kind of in the middle of all three of these large major cities in Texas. This isn't even West Texas, which can be very rural. This is a rural area, but it's not. I mean, it's less than two hours from Houston, less than two hours from Austin, less than two hours from San Antonio. Not hard to get to. Not hard to apply the resources. Heck, there's an FBI office in Houston, one in uh, Austin, and probably one in San Antonio too. You know, um, it's just it's it's hard to see as a parent mm-hmm. to see um, for what is what appears to be non-important extraneous factors. I mean, Jason's a handsome young man. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was a pretty young woman, but. Is that the criteria we're going to use to whether to give families closure, um, to whether to solve our cases? I mean, I'm I'm licensed in three states to practice law. That's not what the law should be. That's, you know, in fact, Lady Justice is what? She's blind. Well, cover her, her, she's not blind as in blinded, but she's she's got a, a blind over her eyes because the law is supposed to be colorblind. It's not supposed to be applied in such an arbitrary and callous and just a manner that makes no sense to everybody else watching. It's just, it's, just, it's, 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 it's beyond comprehension, really. It takes one, uh, one person to come forward, one person who knows something, one person who knows someone who says it, because apparently it's, it's all about, you know, whatever politics or something saying something into the right ear that makes them and you time it right correctly on the news cycle and it becomes something that people care to follow about. I know in talking with parents, um, this strikes home for a lot of parents of kids of this age. You know, so many of us have college students driving you know, out and about and coming home and stuff like that. So it certainly has touched many lives. And and we, we're a family of faith. We believe God is doing something um, that we don't understand. And we, we pray we will get closure before I get to heaven uh, would be nice. Um, but, you know, all of us are one phone call away from tragedy. It may be a car accident. It may be a cancer diagnosis. It may be any anything. You know, uh, you know, an illness turns into, uh, hey, we found something on your daughter's liver, or or something, or or, God forbid, they go in the hospital and some nurse makes a mistake, or whatever it might be. We're all one phone call away from being where we are. And the question is what are you going to do about it? And, and what, you know, it's, it's, 
you know, not to go all preachy, but if we didn't have the faith that we have, and we know that without any doubt, Jason knows the Lord, and if he has passed, he's he's in heaven. He's in a better place than you and me. If we didn't have that, I don't see how you could um, you could get out of bed. It's it's tough enough. It's it's beyond tough. You just can't imagine as as a parent. I mean, as a parent, the worst thing is when your child's hurting and you can't fix it. That's that's to, at least to me always been the worst thing in being a parent. You know, it's it's easy when they're little. You know, when they, when they have a tummy ache, you can hold them, and when they have a scraped knee, you can put a band aid on them. When they get older, the problems get bigger. And then there's this, you know, it's, it's, it's too late to, to do all the things that you wish you had done or, or you wish you had said, you know, so that's, it, it certainly makes you uh, relook, rethink your priorities in life. Just time with family is the most important thing, you know, watch another football game or, or do whatever you want to do. Don't pass up the time that you have to spend with your kids because you could be where we are. It's just funny to see people follow, I mean, on his Facebook pages, we've had posts that have gotten, you know, 50,000 hits. And so many people have kind of connected with Jason that, that never knew him, you know, never, never met him, but, that's one of the things we try to do with, with sharing pictures and videos, kind of kind of share him. Because it, it does help, even though it's hard. It's hard. But, you know, you, you never, that's the same as a parent. You watch your children grow up and, you know, they could be two and you look at their baby pictures and you, and you think, you know, where did the time go? And then they're 20 and you go, where did the time go? And it doesn't matter. They're always your baby. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it certainly makes you rethink your priorities in life and uh, what, you, what you think is important. And it's not the car you drive or the house you live in or getting ahead. It's, it's the relationships that you have. It's relationship with God because um, if it weren't with the Lord's if it weren't for the Lord's help and the prayers of yourself and so many people our family I don't know how we 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 get through it because um, it's you know it's it's a nightmare I mean it's, it's like this morning uh, I was asleep and I woke up at four o'clock and I started thinking about stuff and that's what happens is you wake up at four and you're not going back to bed. Uh, sometimes you don't sleep at all because uh, your, your brain doesn't shut off. You start thinking, you know, thinking about this, start thinking what could have happened, what did happen. And then you start thinking about your child being hurt or someone, you know, someone pointing a gun at your child. And you just want to go, I want to go grab every one of my guns and go to ruling and start pointing them at people until I find the person that knows something that hasn't come forward. Uh, the police have told me I can't do that. Um, but 
doesn't mean I don't want to. Um, you know, so you're kind of sit, we're, we're here feeling impotent to make things happen. And you look around and so many things are happening. And then there's families that have literally been waiting years. And you don't, I mean, every Father's Day, every Easter, every, I mean, we have wrapped presents sitting in Jason's bedroom for Christmas. What do you do? And people say, oh, move on, you know, open them, return them. Yeah, you do it if it's your child and see what you think. Um, it's not that easy. And it's, it's, and it's all the things. It's just walking around your house and, you know, walking past his bedroom. What do you do? You clean out the furniture? Do you leave it waiting for him to come home after these many days? I think he's just going to be walking up the front, you know, walking up to the front door. That prospect seems awful dim, but we would like answers. Um, you know, we hold out hope that something, somehow, some way, God, you know, protects him from whomever, whatever. Um, you just keep hoping until, until you have that eternal hope. I guess. I mean, you know, what else? What else are you to do? You know, you're a parent, and you get just pictures of your kids, and then you wonder if you should change them. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Jason Landry is a Caucasian male who was born on July 29, 1999. He has been missing since December 14, 2020 from Luling, Texas. At the time of Jason's disappearance, he was 21 years old. He stands at 6 feet, 1 inches tall, and weighs approximately 170 pounds. He has brown hair and brown eyes. If you have any information about the disappearance of Jason Landry, you are highly encouraged to call the Caldwell County Sheriff's Department at 512-398-6777. If you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join a Crimeholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where I will have pictures of Jason posted. Crimeholics, as always, be aware and take care. Bye.